Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And this week we're going to be talking about The Incredibles 2. Which apparently we waited 14 years for. Who knew? This, I didn't realize. The superhero story we needed. Maybe Is that not, the tag? No. <laughs> That's the Batman. Yeah, not the superhero story we deserved, though. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, before we get into The Incredibles 2, though... We wanted to share our favorite Pixar film. Ty, I'll let you start out. Okay, for me, I mean, this is a little bit like picking your favorite kind of sushi. Like, yeah, you'll have it if your friends are having it. Uh, I would say probably Brave. I know it's, I know it's a non-traditional choice, but I do remember being... That's one of the only times I've watched a Pixar movie and at the end being like, yeah! And she was, she's got this perfect mix of spunk and, well, I guess cartoonish princessness. I don't know. Interesting. I forgot that Brave was a Pixar film. It's not one that really stands out in my mind. For me, my favorite Pixar film is Toy Story 2. I think they do a really good job with kind of the flow of the story. And there's a really creative scene where the old man is restoring Woody, and I think it's just a, it stands out to me as a very well put together scene. Huh, cool. I I have not, I don't know if I ever watched the Toy Story movies, I need, but, I, but I'm meaning to. Some people think Pixar makes good animated films. <laughs> millions, millions of people think that, Reed. I agree. <laughs> Seems like you might want to give it a shot. I do. I do. I do. Well, did you have a... Re- a remembrance of The Incredibles, or did you have to kind of revisit that story before you saw The Incredibles 2? Um, maybe maybe I should have, but I did not revisit it before I thought about it, but then I was like, no, I want to watch The Handmaid's Tale. So I did that instead. Uh, but it was, I mean, I can, I remember uh, that big thing that comes out of the ground. I remember that. I remember the kind of the kid humor, that teen girl humor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you a lot of details. That's fine. Uh, Did you watch it again? I didn't. I tried to, but it's not available on any streaming service, and I didn't feel like paying $4 for it. Yeah, movies should be free now. I agree. So, what did you think then about Incredibles 2? Did you like the sort of story structure, how they focused more on uh, the mom of the family? Uh, What were your thoughts I I mean, it, they did. By focus on her, you mean they let her be kind of the. I would say I would say the father is still the main character somehow. But maybe is that just my bias internally? I don't know. I mean, because I, I feel it, like I f- I feel like the mother is less dimensional than the father still, even though she's the one that is the one that goes uh, on the mission is selected. It's still how the father reacts to the mother being the person selected on the to go on missions, and his, yeah, his like, experience. Yeah, it's all about. It's like his point of. It's told from his point of view still. I think because he. Yeah, it's about how he's at the he's at the fulcrum between her going on that mission and the kids at home. Um, he's in the middle, and so he. That's I don't know. It just makes it feel and and also um, he's the one that goes to save her, although he doesn't save her. For me, it was that felt like a very 2018 chance to make a point about 
women being able to do everything men do and I don't know. I'm not saying that's bad, but it just felt like, oh, okay, I get it. That's what we have. That's that's the way movies have to be now, or they have to do the version of The Incredibles that's that way before they can do something else. That's interesting because, I mean, to make an animated film, it takes so long, and you have to plan the story ahead of it so far in advance. Um, I heard an interview with uh, the director, Brad Bird, who said this kind of story structure with the mom being the person that's a little bit more active was in place, you know, four years ago. And that it wasn't so much a reaction to the current political climate. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I didn't read anything about it, so I believe you. Uh, <laughs> Good. I, I mean, I still feel like it's, it's it, you know, maybe not 2018, but it's, yeah, I mean... It did not feel... It felt like a movie still written by a man about a man's perspective, I think. I'm going to stick with that. I, I think that's true. It did not feel like it got to... The mom also didn't have that interesting of a part, really. I mean, she got to um, figure out... She made the discovery, finally, and figured it out, right? But um, she didn't go through a change. She didn't, she didn't have a deeper realization, or there wasn't a deeper meaning to her work as a as a female superhero. Okay. I see that. I mean, I think there's not that much development. You're right. I mean, this story also, I mean, maybe go covers the a time frame of, I see like five days to me. I mean, it's a pretty specific linear story that it's told in this movie. And it happens, you know, it's a continuation of the previous film. And it doesn't really, I don't know. I feel like the first movie takes a little bit more time to develop. You get more background. But this movie's just a snapshot of their lives and this event that happens to them. Yeah. Yeah, and it does It does feel... It's interesting to me that you say happens to them because it does feel like it's very passive. And, I mean, that was true for the mother, but also it's kind of true for the father, too. That he's waiting around the home and finally gets a call that says, please come and uh, help your wife, and he just does it, and then it immediately gets the goggles. Uh, I mean, yeah, it just feels like they're very reactionary which is not great for, I think, for drama, for a dramatic story. You want to have people who are making active choices. As soon as the, as soon as the mother realizes that what's going on, she's hypnotized, so she cannot make any more active choices. And as soon as the father realizes what's going on, same thing. So it's like the, the kids do step up, and, I mean, that's the, that's the interesting part of the movie, right? Where they – or that's the thing. I, I feel like that's the whole point. But it's very – it feels small and comes at the very end, I felt. Yeah, and they're still really reliant on, um, you know, the other adult characters, the car. They're they're not able to do stuff totally. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that till just now, but I don't... Uh, I think that's... <laughs> I was going to say bad writing. I mean, the guy's a legend, right? Bird, who wrote it, but... Yeah, people think he's really good at what he, at the, at what he does. So who am I to criticize? But I was not, it, it, it just did feel sort of cold to me. And I think, look, I mean, just saying, I'm talking about it now, I think it is because these people weren't making interesting choices. All right, well, outside of the story, how do you feel about sort of the voice acting, the characters that were in this movie, you know, the addition of the brother and sister uh, who end up, you know, being the, the one being the villain? Do you feel like that 
kind of voice work was interesting or good? Um, the father feels like he's too old. The voice feels too old for the character to me. So that was always a little bit jarring throughout the film. Um, I thought the boy, the middle child, I thought he was great. I really liked his voice work. Yeah, the the dad is quite a bit older. He, I don't know his, the actor's name, but he was like the grandpa in the TV show Parenthood. But I would guess he's in 65 or 70 years old. Yeah, it's it's like T. Hunter Nelson or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think he's too old. It's a weird choice to me. I guess maybe 14 years ago they didn't think they'd be having him do it again in 14 years. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, what about the sort of directing work, Brad Bird, how he structured the movie and the storytelling? Uh, it's just felt, I think you kind of said this already, but it felt very small to me. It felt like a small story of like, I don't know, the stakes aren't super high. It's kind of a weird, it's a weird world where superheroes are illegal, which that's, I I think that's a phraseology meant to mirror modern or, or contemporary social issues, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, superheroes can't, to practice your superhero dumb could be illegal, but to, it doesn't make sense to say being a superhero is illegal. And I think, I think some people might say, well, it's intentionally a metaphor for illegal immigrants. Uh, and it's the same thing. We shouldn't call them illegal immigrants because, uh, it's not, you know, you, you can't say someone, it's not illegal to exist. It can't be. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get that, or I, I would guess that was their intent. Um, but it, it is a little bit, I, I don't know, just, it just doesn't, it, it, there wasn't enough logic laid out in that world for me to be like, oh, okay, I'm on board, exactly. Okay, I get, yeah, I get that, where sometimes maybe he's trying to be a little bit more, I don't know, com- having more commentary or being smarter than actually works out to be. Yeah, I think that could be true, too. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, trying very hard to be, <laughs> to do that metaphor. Uh, did you think it was the brother or the sister who was going to be bad, or both of them? I thought it was going to be both of them. So did I. <laughs> but I knew it was definitely one of them. Oh yeah, for sure, because there was no one else introduced. Yeah. And they told the story about the parent, the parents being killed when they were trying to wait for superheroes to come save them. So it's like, obviously, one of these people has... A traumatic reaction to that. A vendetta. Yeah. Against all superheroes. Also, just the whole time they were asking the mother to do the things, you're like, okay, these are not real crimes. I mean, you, you could... Yeah, that was pretty obvious. Yeah. It just felt like when they were in that... They were sort of in a command center before the first train scene. It's like, yeah, just wait right here. Something's going to happen. We know it. It's like, okay, they're obviously coordinating this. Yeah. I kind of wish it had been both of them together. Why? Uh, I guess I didn't really like the sort of attitude of the brother. I mean, if he felt, I mean, he's just very capitalist, right? Trying to take advantage of other people. Oh, he's like a skeezy salesman type. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, I love the, I mean, I like the voice actor. I can only think of him as Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad, but gosh. The one that does the What's one that does the brother? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Man, I can't remember. That's crazy. I, I think he's a really good actor, and I like his voice, but it did take me, I mean, I guess I kept thinking of him in person, 
and not as just this animated character. Yeah, interesting. I really, I didn't like the animation, like the nose of that of that brother, the corporate brother. I don't know if it ever bothered you. How it's so it, angular. So angular, but and also just so um, it was like a block shape. It was like like the level of sophistication of the animation was very low. I mean, it just it looked cheesy to me. Actually, it looked like a college project where you can't where you didn't quite take the time to actually make a nose that even that was that was anything beyond the basic um, polygon shape. Yeah. I actually do remember thinking that same thing when I saw him for the first time. Like, you know, it, it, doesn't, bo- it doesn't. It's not quite as filled out as the rest of the characters. Well, I, I mean, I think his especially stood out. That nose did, but I think, or maybe just because that that put that in my mind. I don't know. I guess, but that bothered me throughout the whole movie. Every time he was on screen, I was like, "Why didn't they make that freaking nose look like a nose?" Uh, but but I, sorry, I was gonna say. I think I think all the. I mean, it just wasn't. I I don't know. It's like not a great level of animation and i assuming because it's pixar that was probably a choice but i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) or i I think it was a bad choice yeah did you have a google question coming out of this movie i did not Uh, i didn't really google anything either but i did see an article that covered all of jack jack's powers throughout the film (laughs) because the baby could do like 14 (laughs) different things and I, I thought those scenes were some of the best. Oh, yeah. That was definitely the funniest stuff. Like when he became the huge baby in the air duct, uh, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was my favorite part. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if this is true but in this movie, but in the first movie, Brad Bird voices that designer character, Edna. Yeah, he was in this one, too. He's in the credits as Edna. Yeah. And I think that that's just pretty cool that he sort of had this idea for this character and then, I don't know did it himself because he wanted to get it right. <laughs> uh, that's one way to look at it. Maybe he's just, you know, selfish. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I actually, I did Google one thing, which was, I knew, I knew someone at Pixar had to step down because of sexual harassment and I wasn't sure if it was Brad Bird or John Lasseter and it turns out it was John Lasseter, not Brad Bird. So. Incredibles 3, still viable. <laughs> Brad Bird's probably like, finally, Lasser out of my hair. Brad Bird and all the interns. <laughs> Brad Bird and Pixar University, Yikes. which always get, which always gets credited in their films. Which I think everyone who works at Pixar gets listed in the credits every t- every Pixar film. Yeah. Which is funny to me, right? I don't think that's normal. I don't know. I don't ever stay and watch the credits if I am not with you. Oh, you have to. You learned important things for the Two Brothers Review. I'm sorry, Key Grip, you didn't get a shout-out this time. Seriously, what if it was your former college roommate? What if? (laughs) Uh, Okay, should we rate it? Yeah. For me, this movie, I'm going to give it a three. What? Whoa, why not? Because the only good thing you've said about it is the baby. I like the baby. And I guess the brother's voice. Okay, good gosh. You can give it whatever you want, Reed. No, let's start over. Oh, really? No, we should include this. No, okay, I, I think uh, you do get at it, but I think this is interesting. Okay, for me, I think I'm gonna rate this movie uh, two. Uh, I do think there are some redeeming qualities, but don't think it was really a movie for me, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Okay, I definitely will never watch it again 
and uh, I'm going to give it a one. I have to admit this might partially be colored by the fact that I saw it on $5 Tuesday night at AMC, which is like watching a movie in hell, but I'm sticking with the one still. It's interesting that you would go to $5 movie night when you have movie pass. Oh, trust me. It was not out of choice. I hate $5 movie night. I just had to see it before we recorded this. Yeah, you can't postpone anymore for the captive audience we have out there. Yeah, exactly. I took one for the team. And by one, I mean the row of teenagers in front of me who were talking about their boyfriends and the row of five-year-olds behind me who were taking my seat. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine. How many dirty looks? How many comments during the movie did you give? <laughs> I didn't do any during the movie. You would be proud of me. I did, however, during the last preview, turn around and say to the mother, would you mind uh, please having your daughter not kick my seat during the movie? That would be great. I said it like that. It was very nice. And she said, oh, sure. Okay, so. That's nice. But did it change That's anything? Nice. No, goodness, no. <laughs> and I didn't, I, but it's hard. I mean, I'm, I know, I, <laughs> Reed, Reed knows this about me. I do tell people in theaters to if I think they're behaving inappropriately and it affects me. But I don't usually do it to five-year-olds. Sure. No, I'm not a sense. monster. Yeah. All right, well, let's wrap up and give a recommendation for something else we've been watching, reading, listening to. Uh, Ty, how about you? My recommendation is I saw this weekend um, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the new documentary film about Mr. Rogers. It was good. I mean, I, I remember watching that show as a kid, which made it interesting, I think. Uh, and also, he's just so positive. I mean, it's just such a great message. His his life mission, I think, was to help kids feel safe and and their and by doing so unlock their greatest potential. And I think that's great. The movie was, I mean, it was okay. There's there were some problems with it, I think, and it it doesn't go very deep. It kind of skips across the top. But it was it was interesting and worth seeing. I think. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, that trailer, I feel like, does a very good job, kind of emoting and making you feel something. So I've wanted to see it. I just don't. I think it's kind of widespread out here yet. The music in that trailer is so good, right? Amazing. It's so good. I don't. I, and then that that part that's really I just love so much in the trailer. They do it once in the movie, but only once the whole time. I kept waiting for it at the end. I was like, "Do the thing again." The music. Oh man. <laughs> it's like I would watch Never. fifty minutes of clips to this music. Seriously. Nice. Uh, for me, I'm going to recommend a play that I went and saw. And I was in Wisconsin this last weekend with my wife for a work thing that she had to do. And we went to a theater company that we really like. When we lived there, we went a lot and saw As You Like It, which is kind of a crazy play where the main character pretends to be a man and gets her love interest to woo her like she was herself, which is just crazy to me for something that like Shakespeare wrote this and people saw it 400 years ago ahead of his time <laughs> this theater company is amazing and they do a really good job it's really fun to go there it's an outdoor theater about an hour outside of Madison Wisconsin so it might be tough for you to get get to it if you're uh, listening to this but I would say just go check out a Shakespeare play uh, and if you haven't read the story to as as you like it for a while I'd recommend that one and I'd recommend if you're going to a Shakespeare play, read the Wikipedia synopsis first. It does take me about 
a scene to get used to sort of the cadence and language that they speak before I really feel like I'm understanding what's going on. That's good. It takes me like four scenes, I think, or maybe the whole play. <laughs> At intermission. I... So who's the Macbeth character? <laughs> uh, Macbeth, what's going on? Did, did he kill somebody? <laughs> I, I couldn't understand that wrong, right? <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week and listening to our review of The Incredibles 2. This has been Two Brothers Review. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And uh, come on, allez les bleus. World Cup something something. That's right. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.